you know, that's, um, that's one of those things that experience by experience and day by day that we learn to do, not because we study it, but because it works. When you've trusted him once and he comes through, and you trust him again and he comes through again, and when you have no other choice but to trust him one more time, and you do that and, and he comes through one more time, And then the time when you made up your mind that you weren't going to trust him and that you were just going to do it your own way and that still hasn't worked out well for you yet, you're forced to just trust him because you come to the conclusion through experience that trusting him just works. Ed, thank you. Thank you for, for reminding us of that. And, and I get to the end of the sermon today. Don't go nowhere because I'm going to have you come run that back. Um, as a part of our appeal today. Um, yeah, I'm anxious to get into this thing today. So let's pray and let's hop to it. Father, you have called us to order. Something, Lord, that often flies under our spiritual radars is just being something that is tangential to our Christian experience, but Lord, you have made it part of the primary way in which we obtain a true and rich spiritual experience. All the heavens and glory operate in order. Lord, you've called us to order in so many different ways. And as we spend today and, and this month talking about it, Lord, I, I'm going to start this prayer by in this month by asking and begging that you would cause us, help us to have the type of discipline that it takes in our individual lives when we're all by ourselves to be people of order. And then, Lord, collectively, when we come together, sometimes we've gotten accustomed to worshiping you any old kind of way, to handling your business any old kind of way. But, Father, as you work with us, in our prayer rooms and in our closets when we're alone. Fill us up so much with you and your character so that when we come together, that the marks of your character, your love, your patience, your grace, your long-suffering, and your order would characterize what we do in your name. Do something special for us here today, we pray, because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I was in seminary.
up in Berrien Springs, Michigan. My parents at the time lived in Orlando, and Orlando was home, and that was about a 17, 18, could be 19-hour drive straight through. I used to hate that drive, Sister Cole. I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. And and there were times, and I'll have another opportunity to tell you about some of my, my, my hotel stories along the way. But I got to the point where I, I never liked driving it in one go. And so if, if, if as a poor, uh, struggling uh, seminarian, didn't have a whole lot of money, if I could afford to stop along the way or had some friends or somebody along the way, then I would do that. But long hours on the road and, and ever since. But there's something that I, I found out that many of you have experienced when you've taken long trips and you've taken long drives, is that every now and then you get hungry. Now, when I was a kid, mom would always make us, she would pack lunch. I mean, we, we didn't stop to eat. Mom would buy, if we stopped to eat, we stopped at a grocery store. And, and she would buy a big loaf of bread, some peanut butter, some jelly, a peach, an apple, an orange, or a banana, somewhere then. And then dad would always get a thing of cashew nuts, cashews. And so whenever we got hungry, and I told you before, we always got hungry as soon as we saw a McDonald's sign. That's when we got hungry. But I didn't have that luxury, nor was I that much of a planner as I got older. And so you're on the road and you're driving and you get hungry, you want to stop. And sometimes when you're driving on these turnpikes, um, there's nothing there. There are no restaurants, there are no McDonald's. You got a rest area. And, and in parts of the country that I'm driving in, you know, I, you drive along our turnpike here, you got a Wendy's, you got a Dunkin' Donuts, you got a, a Nathan something or another. You got all those things. But these weren't those kind of rest stops. These were the kind of rest stops that just had a vending machine. And so you're driving and you just need something to drink, something to, and, and when you, and, and some of you have experienced it and when you've got that urge and you just got to eat something and you, you finally, and you see it's 30 miles next area, next rest stop, 20 miles, 15 miles, five miles, and you're watching the odometer, trying to make sure you get there. And, 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 and imagine, if you will, as, as, as I have experienced, that you finally get there. You park and you are thirsty, and you're not just hungry, you're hungry. Um, and, and, and you get to the machine, and, I, and, and you see that sign that makes your heart fall into your stomach, makes you mad and want to slap somebody else's mama and whoever made that machine when the sign reads, out of order. There is something disheartening. There is something that's just totally wrong and messed up when something is out of order. Now, take that same scenario. Let me throw one else at you. You're driving and you see the sign, 40 miles next rest area. And you gotta go. <laughs> and you gotta go. 
30 miles, 20 miles, 10 miles, roll up to the bathroom, and there's that same demonic sign out of order. Now, I kid you not, there are some ladies' restrooms around this country along that roadway who have seen my shoes, my face, because, the, I just, because when you got to go, you got to go. But there's something just messed up in life when we see things that are out of order. Bathrooms out of order, vending machines out of order. Um, sometimes it goes beyond that. Every now and then we find some bank accounts that are out of order. You get that statement and you see something that's just not right and something is out of order. There's a problem when stuff is out of order. There are some attitudes that are out of order. There are some some relationships that are out of order. There are just some people just flat out, you sir, of out of order. I want to talk today about how to get things back in order and it has a whole lot to do with priorities. Priorities. Order is defined this way. The arrangement or disposition of the what? The arrangement or disposition of people or things in relation to each other according to a particular sequence, pattern, or method. One more time. Order is the arrangement or disposition of people or things in relationship to each other according to a particular sequence, pattern, or method. When I was a kid and walked into the room getting ready to go to church and mom could look at what I was wearing and she could say that ah, something is, y'all stop looking at what I'm wearing now. Something was out of order. But priorities, Webster defines priorities like this. Priorities is, priorities are a thing that takes precedence. A thing that takes what? Precedence especially established by order of importance or urgency. The thing that comes first, priorities. A thing that takes precedence, especially established by order of importance or urgency, a priority is that thing that comes first. Um, I, I know that I will get into some trouble in the next thing that I'm getting ready to say, and it will be argued and debated, sometimes successfully, other times not so much. But ladies, when your husband comes home, The thing 
that he does first is a clue. Oh, that's right. I got that men's ministry thing coming up after this, don't I? The thing that he does first reveals to you his priority. Because the priority is the thing that comes first. Now, fellas, it may sound like at this moment that I'm trying to hurt you, but trust me, I'm trying to help you. <laughs> um, the thing that happens first, hey, babe, how you doing? How was your day? Yeah, that. that how'd that go? Let me, how'd that, was that? How'd it go? Yeah. Pray the thing that happens first. First thing that you do, it talks about uh, uh, the thing that takes precedence. It is established by order of importance or urgency. Why am I telling you gentlemen this? Because a little later on in the day, there's something else that may come across fellas, married fellas, as important and urgent. Ooh, it's quiet. Y'all sitting out there trying to pretend like that ain't me. <laughs> priorities, how do you establish good priorities? I give you some 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 little hints here and 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 you will never have a good priority unless you have good values good priorities are determined by values and values are determined by information priorities are determined by what Values and values are determined by information. Bad priorities are determined by bad values, and bad values are determined by bad information. So the key is to begin with good and right information. Good information, right information, will then land you if you make the right choice at right values. And then right values will help you set good and right priorities. We read a text this, this morning out of the book of Genesis. Let, let's go there and let's imagine that, that, that God doesn't have good information. All right? That's hard to imagine. That, that should be. Should be hard. I know some of you think that God does not have good information because you read the information that he gave you and you choose to go some other route. Um, 
So, so for some of us, it's not really that much of a stretch to pretend like God doesn't have good information. Um, he told you already that how can two walk together lest they be agreed. He already told you not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And you thought he had bad information. <sighs> That's not my sermon. I mean, yeah. In verse 9. So let's pretend God does not know some stuff. Let's pretend God, uh, verse 9, and God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and, and, gather, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself and upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and he yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind and God saw that it was good and the evening and the morning were the third day. You ever wondered why God did this stuff in the order that he did? Well, he created the things in the order that he did because he had good information. He knew that on the fifth day, he was going to create a fish. And that in order for the fish to be able to live and sustain itself, the fish had to have a sea to swim in. He knew that on the sixth day, he was going to create an aardvark and a cow, and a sheep, and a goat, and that in order for that goat to sustain itself, it needed to have both an earth to stand on and some grass on it to eat. God, in the order of creation, he had good information, and so it determined the value that if I am going to create these living creatures, I value their sustainability, so I'm going to do first what needs to be done, because it is urgent that I do this if they are going to survive. With all that we know about priorities, it is still amazing to us when we find ourselves in a place where um, I can't remember talking to and not here, not in Delray. Of course, not in Delray. But you know, it's a, it's a good thing to have a good work ethic before you apply for a job. 
I had a young man come to me once in my office and he was almost in tears. Pastor, pray for me. I need a job. 19 years old, trying to get a car. As a matter of fact, that's not what he did first. I'm going to talk about priorities. The first thing that he did was he came and asked me for some money to help him buy a car. I was waiting, Elder Mark, for him to tell me that he wanted money for a car so he could get to work. If he had pitched the thing in that order, that would have made perfect sense. But the logic was, I need a job so I can get a car. Now already, something's messed up. But until then, Pastor, can I borrow? <laughs> and then will you sign? <laughs> so I gave him the classic response that every pastor does when he gets some foolishness to come. My brother, let me pray with you right quick. <laughs> So we prayed about it and we said, Lord, help this brother find a job. Two weeks later, he comes back to calls me up. Pastor, I got a job. My first, 19 years old. Parents, don't let your kids get 19 back then and be getting their first job. Okay, please. Yeah, all right. 19, he gets a first job and he was excited that he had his first job. Well, where are you working at? McDonald's. And you know what I said? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Mad at no McDonald's. Next day, phone rings again. Pastor, man, I'm just so upset right now. I said, how's the job coming? Man, I quit. <laughs> I said, you, you what? Actually, if I remember correctly, he started that call by asking me when we could go down to the car lot. <laughs> but man, I quit. I said, why'd you quit? He said, man, I walked in there my first day and they had me, me, scrubbing all of them floors. Well, nobody else in there scrubbing floors but me. But because I'm the new guy, they got me in there scrubbing. The, I said, um, um, oh, uh, did, 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 did they fire you? No, I told you I quit. You quit because they told you they weren't going to pay you for scrubbing the floors? I'm not supposed to be scrubbing floors, Pastor. So, well, what are you supposed to be doing? Oftentimes, we send our young and, and, and listen priorities. And I did, and this sermon's just taking a whole took a whole nother turn right here. I'm getting, you know, there are parents, and I, I've heard this. I don't, I don't believe it. I think it's one of those mythical things. I think it's just, just somebody made it up and read it off the internet. But I think that there, I've heard, I've heard that there are parents who don't make their kids at home. Y'all gonna think this is funny? Uh, that, that don't, that don't make their kids do any chores. That's, that's, that's not true, is it? That's not true. Or, or, or 
this, that there are parents that, that, that let their kids choose which, which chores they're going to do. And if they don't like uh, washing dishes, oh, mama will get it for you. That's not really true, is it? That's, that, that's just a myth, right? I've even heard, I've even heard, now I'm going way off of my topic. I've even heard that there are some parents who when they put a plate of food that uh, their hard hours of work and sweat and toil put into purchasing that food, that they will put that, that salad with, 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 with uh, lettuce and tomatoes and, and carrots and, and, and green peppers and, and they'll put that in front of their child and the, and the child will say, no mama, I don't want any uh, tomatoes and the mother will say I've heard I, I've heard that's okay you don't have to eat that's not true is it That the money that was put into putting to buying those dis delicious and scrumptious and and, 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 and mouth-watering Brussels sprouts Because you just don't feel like it, the child says, that the parent says, ah, don't worry about it, you don't have to eat it. That's not true, right? So, so what are you doing? You have now begun to create, and we talk about the chores, not about the food thing. I know I got sidetracked, but on the chores thing, you have now begun to establish a work ethic. And I don't care how, they might be four or five years old. Not looking at a job until another 10, 12, 13 years. But you have just contributed to their failure in life. You didn't just contribute to it. You almost made it happen, and it's not the child's fault when they're 19 years old, walking out, talking about, I quit because they made me. Same brother. Same, exact same. No, it wasn't. It was a different brother. Different brother. Same city, though. Got and, and Same thing. Washing dishes, and he quit. First day on the job, quit because the panda thing was so full of dishes, and they're going to make me wash all these dishes. Training our children with good work ethics. You know, when, when we used to, I think I've told you guys this before, and, and I, I, don't, I, I don't know that I fully co-signed this, Sister Shuttlesworth, but I know you heard me. I'm just saying, I just, I just don't know that, 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 I'm with, so everybody else, when I was growing up, they had spring break. You know, that time of year, school comes along, spring break. We didn't have spring break in my house. When when and I went to academy, you know that's private church school, and 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 I went to with a lot of folk who you know had a little bit more money than, than preachers, and so their spring break, you know that's early spring, they're going skiing in Colorado and up in Aspen, and uh, they're going with their family out to the Bahamas and this kind of thing. 
In my house, we had spring cleaning. <laughs> um, and, and, and all week long, there was, and mom, she, 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 she made the chart. Y'all know the chart? Anybody, anybody got a witness on the chart? You know the chart? And every day of the week, there was, and I'm not saying that I fully co-sign all of that. <laughs> But but I know that she, she said she said pastor you didn't have to <laughs> you just had to sign that it was done. <laughs> but that every day of the week there was something. The first day was the garage, and for us the garage wasn't. Just, we, some of you might think, well, sweep the garage. Mm -mm. Had to make sure all the cars were out of the garage. And y'all know those little oil and grease stains on the thing? All the spider webs and the cobwebs, all that kind of stuff. All the junk, you know, and dad would have just all of the little junk stuff all over. He'd take all of that stuff and clean the floors out. And, and there were every now and then there were some floors that just the holes wouldn't get. And we used to try to make the holes get it. So I remember putting the holes down, the nozzle as close as it would get, trying to spread it. But every you had to go and get that brush and do that scrubbing on your hands and knees to get that stuff out. And, 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 and that was, and, and, and by the way, when we were done, we couldn't just, we would go put the stuff back up. But there was that next level of not just being assigned the task to get it done, but when mom and dad would come, another day, that was the garage, another day would just be the baseboards and window seals. They always went together. Baseboards and window seals. Anybody remember those? The, not just in my room. But the entire house had to go and get the baseboards and scrub them and, and even and, and, and we were provided with tools. So you had your, your rag, which was from in my house that was old underwear. That was just was that old stuff. We, we used to call it holy underwear, holy drawers. You know, so, um, and scrubbing those baseboards and you get your little bottle of pledge and 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 and, and, and then there was the special tool for the the corners, the crevices, she'd give us the toothbrush so that you could, because even though, but here's the thing, is that not only was the work given to be done, but when she got home, it was inspected. And if you did not do a good job the first time, I'd walk into the bedroom and right on the dresser next to my toys would be the drawers and the toothbrush. And she didn't have to say no more. What did I know? I know that there was something that I hadn't fixed. That I had. Before, I, I knew, I had learned that before I could get into those toys, I had to go and finish the job. And not only finish the job, but to do it well. Parents were trying to set for us good priorities so that we knew when we came home from school it was first work, then play. Friends would be out in the neighborhood throwing the football around and all this kind of stuff, and we'd want to run and go play. The first thing was your homework, your chores. And then you can play. And I look 
at how some of my young people live their lives and exist in their worlds and I know somebody hadn't done that for them. First work, then play. And so I got brothers that have come to me now and they want to drop a mixtape. And, and they want to make all this money because they're looking at all of these hip-hop rappers and what have you who seem like they're making all of this money and living so large and doing all of this stuff. And so they're going to spend all of their time in the studio, none of their time in a book. And so even if they are one out of the million that end up dropping a tape and getting recognized and making money, it's gone in 10 to 5 years because you didn't spend any time learning how to manage your money. Priorities, priorities, priorities come first in the home from parents to children. And if we fail, listen, if we fail to both teach and, here's the hard part, model right priorities. Because you can tell a kid to do all you want them to do, but if they don't see it modeled, they will do the same thing you do. What is that? Tell people to do stuff they ain't doing. And so they will get from you that the priority is not in the doing, simply in the telling. And so now they become Christians who come to church and go to work and they're very egregious and, and very free to pass out a track to invite somebody to church to tell somebody about a Sabbath that they are not keeping. Because they saw you laud a priority that was not evidenced in your own example. This thing went in totally a different direction than I wanted it to go. So let me, let me get back on track and let you go. Good information. Good information, right information, turns into right values and good values. You want to set good priorities. You want to have the right order. It starts first in the Word of God. No other place. There is no psychologist. There is no social worker. There is no social science that will teach you best when it comes to setting order and priorities in the lives of your children and the lives of your home. It starts first in the Word of God. Elijah. Uh, Matthew. Matthew says this. Jesus says, Seek ye first. All these things will be added unto you. Seek 
first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek before you choose what vocation you want to do for the rest of your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of your vocational aspirations as they line up with the will of God. God says, ahead, all of that, and then some to you. Looking for a husband, for a wife, spouse. Trying to go all through your list and making everything line up and... Does she have this? Does he do that? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Why am I putting the emphasis there? Because it's often so easy to stop at seeking the kingdom of God and forgetting to seek his righteousness. He says, seek the kingdom and the righteousness of God. Become like me. Make this the thing that you do first. Seek holiness. You know, there are so many people who say, I understand that being a Christian is the right thing to do. But I'm not just where I want to be in life yet. There's still some things that I, I need to get accomplished in order for me to be the best Christian that I can be. Can't give my heart, my life fully to God until I got all these other things lined up. Years will pass. Decades will pass. And you will find that those things will never line up. They will never get to where you planned, where you wanted them to be. Because you started with some bad information information that lets you believe that you could be good enough and right enough to come to God. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be right enough. Things will never be exactly how they are supposed to be before you come to God. And that's why Jesus said, seek first my righteousness my kingdom you know what Jesus said one of my favorite texts the book of Revelation in chapter 13 says if I'm going to model myself after after God after Jesus he's my example then what I'm looking at is I'm looking at how did he do his priorities? What did he do first? If I want to be like Christ, 
if I want to model my steps, order my steps and his word and, and want to be like him, what did he do first? Well, when I go to the beginning of the book, this is what I read. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But you know what I found out in the book of Revelation chapter 13? <laughs> I found out that's not what God did first. You know what God did first? You know what God's priority was? You know the thing that was most urgent to God? It was this. Revelation chapter 13 verse 8 says this. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. Whose names are not written, watch this, in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. What does that mean? That means before Jesus opened his mouth and said, let there be light. He addressed the thing that was most important to him. He addressed the thing that had the greater value. He did first things first before he spoke the world into existence. Before your mother even knew your name. He became the lamb slain from the foundation of the world because you were his priority. You were what was most urgent to him before you ever fell, before you ever sinned, before you ever messed up, before you ever got hooked, before you ever became addicted, before you ever got in bondage, he had already volunteered himself to be the lamb slain from the foundation of the world because you are his priority. So what's my lesson? What's my takeaway? Jesus accepted death as his first priority for you and for me. We must like him if we are willing to follow in his steps. We must be willing to say at the beginning of every day, I die daily. I will be like Christ in crucifying my wants and my desires and my will and yielding it over to the Father. And I guarantee you that when you choose to, like Jesus, be slain from the very foundation of your day, you choose and make that your priority.
that you can trust him to take the rest of the day and lay it out in a way that will make sure that not only are you blessed, but that you can be a blessing to somebody else. It's sweet to be able to die to self in the morning and to trust the rest of the day to God. Don't have to worry. Don't have to plan and scheme. Just trust. Don't have to strategize and, 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 and monopolize and, and, and all. Just trust. And your day, I'm, I guarantee you this, if you do this, be like Christ, prioritize, die in the morning, you will find that the days just get sweeter and sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. Listen to the words again of the song. just to fall a little deeper in love with somebody you know you can trust. I'm going to ask that you stand to your feet with me. that in order to be all that you know that God has called you to be that there are some priorities in your life that are out of place that you may have put your job your family your spouse your money your stuff your aspirations your goal your ambition your pride your selfishness your anger, your resentment that you want to hold on to rather than let it go, you have taken that and made it a priority. 
There's somebody here who has something against somebody else and, and, and revenge you have made a priority. And so that's the first thing that's on your mind when you get up in the morning. It's the last thing that you go to bed with. And today, you want to say, God, I, I need you to take that priority and make seeking you and your kingdom and your righteousness my priority. Just raise your hand where you are. Some of you that have raised your hands, that know that in pursuit of that priority of making Jesus your everything and your all, that you need to go down in the watery grave of baptism and saying, I am making a public statement, saying to the world, to friends and to family, that I am crucified with Christ. That I will go down in the watery grave of baptism showing to the world that God is, is doing something in me. He is in the process of creating with me a clean, within me a clean heart and, and renewing a right spirit within me. I don't have the same type of desires that I used to have. I, I don't have the same type of propensities that I used to have. I'm not perfect. I'm still falling. I'm still messing up. But now it bothers me. I just don't like it. it keeps me up at night. It makes me shed tears calling out for God's protection and God's deliverance into the midnight hour. And now today I want to get out of my seat, walk down the aisle and say to the world I'm glad that Jesus is doing something in me. And the next time there is a baptism I want to go down in the watery grave. Tell the world that God is able that God is in the delivering business even now in 2015. Is that your desire? That's your desire. You just want to step out of your seat and walk down the aisle. I ask you to do that at this time. Come. Come. You know that God has been begging. He's been pleading. The Holy Spirit has been wrestling. And day by day, the more time you have spent contemplating Jesus, looking into the face of Jesus, you can't help but fall more deeply, madly, passionately in love with him. Is there somebody like that here today? Just move, move, move from where you are. Come, come join me down at the altar. Falling in love and you just can't help it. If there's somebody like that, then move. Move, come on, come down, come down now. It's going to sing one more verse chorus of the song while the song plays. If the sings, if the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, just move out of your seat and come and join me down at the altar. Falling in, falling in love. The church, Jesus, if you know the song, sing it along with Jesus. Oh my, falling in love with Jesus. Is the best thing I've ever, ever done. One more time, one more time. Falling in love with Jesus. 
falling in love with Jesus. Oh, yes, falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever If you feel the Holy Spirit moving, don't let this moment pass. Even if while I'm praying, Holy Spirit is moving and clawing and grasping at your heart. Don't leave here today without allowing him to get it. Father, Father, our hearts are melted. When we look back at the history of the world and creation, at your acts throughout all of time, and Lord, we're just amazed when we come to the conclusion that you see our salvation, our redemption was your priority. And Lord, you did first things first. The order was to save us even before you created us. And Lord, our minds are just blown by your wisdom, your foresight, your mercy. And Lord, thank you. Thank you. Lord, we can say it with our lips. But Father, we're standing today because we don't want to just say it with our lips. Lord, we're asking you to give us strength and power to say thank you with our lives. And those we commit into your hands one more time today as we ask that you would keep them in the power of Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated.